It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it's for the Truthful Master here to find it. It is January the 1st, 2016, the false year of it. Start reading out of the Papal Magic Occult Practices within the Catholic Church. Simon. I don't know this guy. Must be a pseudo name. About the author, this is 2008. Simon was a student of magic, occultism, and religion since the mid 1960s. The editor of Necronomicon. He, he spoke on topics as diverse as religion, politics, occultism, and fascism, ceremonial magic, and even idolatry. Tarot cars, Kabbalah, Asian occult system. He was a frequent lecturer for the famed Warlock Shop in Brooklyn and the Magical Child Bookstore in Manhattan. For um Undisclosed reasons, his whereabouts have been uh, unknown since uh, 1984. And, uh, yeah, should be interesting. Um, See what's going on in this false year. Yeah, still the headlines, uh, year 2015, and Katie Kirk takes a look back at the news trends and viral moments that dominated the year. And of course, we got a picture of Pope Francis and his stooge, uh, um, Trump, and another stooge. Bruce Jenner, Jenner. And it's being revealed right before your face, folks, that um, this transgender, transsexual movement has been around quite a bit, and now it's coming up front, and that's a big part of the role of uh, Michelle Obama's part in all this. Um, well, anyway, it's not much for much to talk, look at that I care to look at, at least.
So we'll go into this book. Papal Magic. Cult Practices Within the Catholic Church by Simon. Papal Magic. So we got here is about 183 pages. We can get through this one. I don't know. Last one I didn't get through. I have a notorious habit not getting through any of these books on my show. There's something gets in the way. Last the last reading got in too much too deep in the that I care for would be the uh, Seventh Day Adventist dogma. You know, section one is Catholicism and the occult. Uh, they separate Doddle. Magic, um, black mass, priestly authority over demons and angels, uh, the masons who would be the mason who would be pope, OTO and Christianity, and Italian Freemasons and the Vatican banking scandal, most diabolical of the grimoires. Two uh, would be the grimoire of Pope. Honor, honorius third forward uh, evacuation of the spirits of the seven days collection of rare secrets of the magical art uh, magic secrets encounter charms appendix uh, table of planetary hours according to Agrippa And says a little bit about the author and other books by Simon Thorogovic. So, what we will do is just go on with probably do more. Okay, the New Testament tells us a surprising thing right at the beginning of the story of Christ, Matthew 1 18 and 2 12, it tells us. That the three wise men, Magi, followed the star of Bethlehem, where they found the newborn Jesus. In order to do so, they had to first pay a courtesy visit to Herod, the governor of Palestine, who then ordered the massacre of all the firstborn Jewish males in order to ensure he killed the newborn Jesus and thus prevented the young Messiah ever taking power. And the massacre of the innocents is not a story that is usually told at Christmas. We see the Magi, who, whom tradition has named Melchior, I guess it's, uh, it's M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R, uh, Belazar, that's B-A-L-T-H-A-Z-A-R, and Casper, like Casper the Ghost, bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and mirth. Sometimes we are told that they are the three kings. They could not be kings in the normal sense, as they did not travel with a large retinue, uh, but seemed to make the journey from the east with a few possessions and perhaps a few servants, but nothing more. Others claim that they had more than that. I don't know. We are not told what the kingdom 
of the kingdoms they've represented. They are told very little, excuse me, we are told very little, actually, at the end of their visit to the manager, they make, I'm the manager, the manger, <clears throat> they make their departure secretly avoiding Herod and his intrigues. I'll see if I can expand this a little bit so I can see better. Okay, so yeah. <clears throat> Boy, I'm a real professional. These three kings are an anomaly in the story of Jesus. It only appears in the Gospel according to Matthew and not in any other of the Gospels. There does not seem to be a precedent for this in other Jewish traditional literature, since these kings were obviously not Jewish, but foreigners who came from a land to the east of Palestine, Persia perhaps, or Babylon, that they follow the stars evidence of their ability of astro uh, astronomy, but also their belief in astrology, because for them, the appearance of the star in the east had meaning. Astrologers, like all scientists, do not deal in meaning, but in phenomena. Astrology, like the other occult sciences, is and attempt to assign meaning to the phenomenon. While astrology may be considered divination and therefore something prescribed by Jewish tradition and law, there is evidence that the Jews did practice a form of astrology themselves. The Bible is full of references to, quote, signs in the heavens, and quote, which could mean anything from the appearance of the of comets to the more familiar conjunctions and oppositions in the astrological lore. In either case, quote, signs in the heavens and the quote indicates that the motions of the heavenly bodies were considered meaningful messages in the uh well, I guess the end of the scene. Oh, that is. Denizen, the denizen of the earth, denizens of the earth from spiritual forces capable of communicating from with humans using the very broad canvas of the heavens themselves. The Bible has other tales of the cult sprinkled here and there throughout the Old and New Testament, but usually with words of opprobrium, 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 okay, opprobrium. This is a famous, this is the famous tale of the witch of Endor, who caused the ghost of Samuel to appear to the king Saul, on the eve of battle in Samuel 28, 4 through 25, there is, in, there is the inconjunction against the occult in the commandments. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, Exodus 22, 18. And there is Jesus himself raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11, 1-44, performing exorcisms and doing other 
miraculous things which, if they were performed by any person today, would be considered witchcraft, magic, and a demonstration of the occult power of occult powers. Of course, <clears throat> we're talking about Jesus Christ, so that wasn't witchcraft. He was performing his miracles. He wasn't just any other person, was he? But we're talking about somebody here who probably didn't believe too much. But you know what? That doesn't mean we cannot learn from him. That's the Christian scriptures attest. The Christians, the, the, the Christian scriptures attest the church occult foundation. And the gospel according to Luke, we see Jesus saying, quote, Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, quote, thus implying the power of his followers over all the spiritual realm in Luke 10, 20. Before Jesus begins his ministry, Satan tempts him in the desert and demonstrating his power over the material worlds. And in another episode, Jesus himself turns to St. Peter and tells him, Get thee behind me, Satan, in the quote. In Matthew 16:23, oddly, Catholic tradition has in that St. Peter was crucified upside down. Today, the inverted cross has become the symbol of Satanism. Very oddly, because roots are based on Satanism, not Christianity. While the Catholic priests were believed to have spiritual power over ghosts and demons, every Catholic priest has been ordained first as an exorcist. The use of occult powers has usually been considered close to the priesthood and to lay people alike. The only ones using occultism and magic have been the heretics, the blasphemers, and the so-called witches and sorcerers, people who are, by their very nature, believed to be on the side of the adverse adversary and opponents of the church. Indeed, in the 18th century, this general indictment of occultism, occult groups, and secret societies was extended to include the Freemasons, which we know from this show uh, is controlled by Rome itself uh, through the Jesuits. Uh, for centuries, it was forbidden for Catholics to join the Masons. Maybe that's the reason why I didn't want them to know. Uh, for good reasons, during the heyday of the order of the 18th, 19th century, Freemasons were actively involved in efforts to, to curtail the church's secular power in Europe. Uh, from the uh, Carbonari, it's, uh, Carbonari in, the, in Italy, the revolutionists in France, up to and including Masonic intrigues against British imperial power in India, even as late as 1970s, a Masonic lodge calling itself uh, Propaganda Duel, or P2, was at the heart of the Vatican's banking scandal in Italy. P2 was also involved in anti-communist intrigues, including the assassinations and the arrests of in the rest of the world, but was but was the church itself entirely blameless when it came to conjuring demons, working magic, and casting spells? 
It is rumored that the largest collection of occult works in the world is found is to be found at the Vatican Library. Are they there as curios, rare and valuable tombs to be uh, consulted by the Catholic scholars carefully venting by the Holy See? Or did they once have a more utilitarian purpose? Included in this book is one of the more infamous memoirs, a magical workbook or magical workbooks known to three centuries of ceremonial magicians throughout the Western world, considered by some to be the most demonic of all occult texts. Its authorship is attributed to a pope. While scholars contend that the pope in question had nothing to do with it, they missed the most important point of the text, that it is a manual to be used by a Catholic priest. And therein lies the tale. For the first 300 years of Christianity, the church met in secret. It is well known that the Christians were persecuted by the Roman Empire. The image of the followers of Christ being thrown to the lions in the Colosseum is familiar to every schoolchild. Thus, in order to worship in safety, these early Christians met at night in cemeteries and catacombs. Today, if we came across news of a religious cult meeting under these circumstances, we would immediately think of, quote, Satanism, end quote, or devil worship, end quote, or even, quote, witchcraft, end quote. In India, cults that met at night in cemeteries were known to be the practitioners of Tantra, most particularly a form of Tantra outlawed by conservative Brahmins and that involves violating some of the basic precepts of Hindu religious law, including drinking alcohol, eating prescribed meats and grain, and sex with a partner to whom one is not married. To the pious Hindu, what was taking place in the cemeteries was tantamount to a black mass, as it would be understood by a Catholic. A reversal of values and acts of blasphemous ritual that was intended to, uh, to act as a kind of, quote, shock treatment, end quote, causing the participants to see reality through different eyes. Sometimes there was a political element to the Black Mass, a denial of the authority of the Catholic Church in matters both secular and sacred, which may or may not have been, that may not have had its analogies, have its analogy, I guess it was analogous, I guess, analogy. And the rich were the rights of Tantra. At other times, the Black Mass itself was seen 
as an instrument of power, the ultimate magical act, an act of Congress with dark powers through the, the manipulation of Catholic symbols and rituals towards other ends, like channeling nuclear energy away from peaceful uses and making a nuclear bomb. <clears throat> And is there a, a tradition of occult practices among Catholic clergy, or do the isolated documented incidents of sorceries and ma magicians within the church's hierarchy merely represent anomalies, random personalities and events that have nothing to do with the Catholic belief or an underground cult within the church? Of course, the church would have us believe the latter, a few bad apples like the convicted pedophile priests of the last few decades. But, of course, now remember this book was <laughs> written a while ago, wasn't it? So, a, couple, a couple decades ago at least, with uh, three decades now. So this uh, pedophile priest thing's been going on, uh, convicted pedophile priests have been going on for quite a while now. Of course, the church would have us believe the latter. I bet if you bet apples like bet apples like the convicted pedophile priests of the last few decades. But what if the practice of occultism um, could be traced far up the hierarchical ladder to bishops, perhaps cardinals, and maybe even a pope or two? What would that say about the nature of religion, religious institutions, spiritual vocations, and faith itself. Indeed, what would it say about magic? That there were many ecclesiastical personality or ecclesiastical personalities, some of them quite famous, who were also occultists, is a fact known to historians, but largely unrecognized outside uh, academia. Bishop and St. Albertus Magnus, 1193 to 1280, well, he lived a while, didn't he? A member of the St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, excuse me, a mentor to St. Thomas Aquinas, was an occultist, an alchemist, and a Magician, Abbot Johann Johann Trithemius. So I think that's Johannes. Johannes. Anyways, it's G J O H A N N E S. And then it's Trithemius. T R I T H E M I U S. From 1462 to 1516, a famous occultist and head of the Abbey. At Spoonham in Germany can also be considered the father of modern uh, cryptogra crypto uh, cryptography, cryptography, the science of code making that he invented in order to keep his occult writings safe from prying eyes. He was a friend and a correspondent of the famous magician Cornelius. Agrippa from 1486 to 1533, whose three books of occult philosophy are 
a classic in the literature. Then there was Marshall Gillis D. Rez. Rez. R I I Z. So Marshall Gillis D. Rez. Rezzi, something like that. It's not Rezzi, it's, it's Rez. From 1404 to 1440, he didn't live very long. A French nobleman, a military man, a once pious follower of St. Jo uh, Joan of Arc in battle. He descended into black magic and madness, holding black masses at his castle in the French countryside and murdering and mutilating village children in his satanic rites in a, a desperate effort to unlock the secrets of the Philosopher's Stone, some say, and thereby fed off, thereby fend off bankruptcy, and assisted in all this by an apostate Catholic priest. He and his priest and another assistant were executed in 1440 after a lengthy trial in which the details of their heinous crimes were documented. It is so difficult to believe Catholic priests and bishops may have been involved in occult practices. I guess that was a question mark. As one edition of the Grim War of Pope Honoris, or yeah, Honoris, Onoris, or Onorius, Onorius, remains reminds us Jesus informed his followers that quote what you seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven and the quote thus giving his church enormous authority over the spiritual realm. Of course, we all recognize, anybody who's paid attention, the, the Catholic Church is not Jesus. Uh, it's not of Jesus, it's of Satan. If a priest has the power to cast out demons during the rite of exorcism, doesn't that imply an equal ability to summon them? How many priests of the past two thousand years would have been able to would have been able to resist the temptation? It is said that Father Urbane Grandier, the priest of the at the center of the famous cast of demonic possessions known as the devils in London Loudon had signed a pact with the devil himself. In fact, a copy of this pact exists, signed in Grandier's blood, and has been reprinted in many books of Satanism and demonology. demonology. When, oh gosh, when Satan confronted Jesus in the desert, he offered him the world. Indeed, Satan is often acknowledgeable as the Lord of this world, or the Prince of this world, and the world of the material things, of the passions and non-spiritual. This is why Faust, in the famous legend, sells his soul to... Oh, gosh, here we go. 
Beth, me, Phytos, Bilal, Bellies, I don't know, I'm not sure really. Let's find out how to pronounce this one. This is a big one. This has definitely got more than two syllables. Alrighty, pronunciation. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness the one good thing about internet. For me, at least. See how to pronounce this. Mephistopheles. 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 Now, how in the heck would I ever know how to pronounce that? Mephistopheles. Uh, the 25 years of young youth and wealth, the things of this world, in exchange for one thing over which Satan has no dominion, the human soul. And the famous mass of St. Sakari, or Sakar, I'm right. It's S-E-C-A-I-R-E. So it's S-E-C-A-I-R-E. As detailed in Sir James Fraser's The Golden Bough, uh, peasants in the Gascon region of France would sometimes prevail upon the priest to kill a man through the offices of the liturgy. The liturgy. The mass would be said backwards in a ruined church or other desolate place ending on the very stroke of not of midnight, a black host would be used, a triangular triangular in shape, another abomination would be ensued. Would ensue. The people for whom this mass was, quote, celebrated end quote, would slowly die of a withering away disease. Fraser also speaks of the mass of the Holy Spirit, a mass so powerful that God would grant any wish to those who had this mass said for them. In the same breath, he speaks of the belief of some French peasants have in the ability of priests to even prevent storms and to exert other powers over nature. Thus, we have the popular belief that the priests have some occult power. This power is transferred through the laying on of hands in the ordination ceremony. Which it is itself considered an occult act. The phenomenon of, I guess this is chirothesis, never heard of this one, C-H-I-R-O-T-H-E-S-Y, was a ritual performed by the Pope to heal the sick by the laying on the hands. Actually, no fewer than three Popes were believed to have 
have been involved in occult practices, including Sylvester II, uh, Pontificate, uh, 999, uh, so it's 999, of course, he flipped it around to 666, uh, to uh, 1003, John the 21st from 1276 to 1277, and Benedict the Twelfth from 1334 to 1342. Sylvester II was an example, as an example, had acquired several important astronomical treaties in Arabic and is reputed to have studied occult lore while still a young man in Seville. Then under the control of the caliphates, he was said to be in possession of a miraculous talking head, among other novelties. The document we will examine here, however, is attributed to Pope Honorius or Honorius Honorius Honoris. I'm going to see how they pronounce that again. Sorry about this. My pronunciation. Um, a bit of an idiot. That's why I'm doing this. Um, not because I'm intelligent, but because I want to know the truth, regardless of what other people think of me. So, since I won't learn this stuff in college, I run in front of people, and I won't learn this learning with other people in my life. Honorius, so it's Honorius. So Pope Honorius, Pope Honorius, all right, Pope Honorius, Pope Honorius III from 1216 to 27, a man of unquestionable faith and devotion to the church and its principles. In fact, Honorius III was a tireless was a tireless opponent of heresy and was instrumental in the repression of heretical movements such as the Cathars and the Abigensians in the south of, south of France and a supporter of Simon de Montfort. Notorious urge of heretics and military commander of the anti-Cathar crusade. Most Commentators believe that attributing a sorcerer's work book to Honorius III is nothing more than a kind of sick joke at the Pope's expense. Perhaps the creation of a writer from the Languedoc who held Honorius III responsible for the excesses of his campaign, Simon D. Montfort and the uh, consequent loss of his lands and family at the hands of this vicious crusader, at best the grimoire of Pope Honorius III, may only represent a confused association with another grimoire, the sword book of Anodrius, 
a book that may have been written at the time of Pope Honorius III was alive suggests suggestions as to the book's antiquity range from the 12th to the 14th century. While Honorius was a prolific author of theological texts, there is no evidence that he had anything to do with, with either grimoire. And yet, the prologue to the sword book states that the church had gone to something of a crusade against magicians and that the magicians held a secret council to determine what to do and elected a Honorius, one Honorius as their leader. Honorius then compiled the sword, or the, excuse me, I've been saying sword this whole time, the sworn book, the sworn book, not with the D or the N, the sworn book from the um, compilation of other magical texts, but, the, but secured with a set of laws that the magicians would be forced to obey before they could use the material. Thus, the, quote, sworn, end of quote, with an N, not a D, sworn book. There were actually actual church councils convened at various times to prohibit the practice of occultism. Among these were the Council of Ejdi of the Languedoc of southern France and of 506, which pronounced sorcerers and vampires excommunicated. So this vampirism has been going on for quite a while, hasn't it? not just uh, apparently Hollywood to fable. I guess there's people out there who like to drink blood. There were further such councils, such as the Council of Orleans in 541 and the Council of Narbonne in 589 all towards the same general end of fighting the sorcerers. From this short list, we can see that the struggle between the Catholic and the magicians has been going on for quite some time, especially in France. The Catholics have been in struggle with everybody. They're afraid they, they hate the Jews, they hate the magicians, they hate the Muslims, they hate everybody, they hate the Protestants. They hate everybody, if you ever figured it out. And I have some Catholics, and a lot of good friends. When I say that, I'm talking about the leadership. The average Catholic, I don't, is victimized in this whole thing. It's just the rest of us. So. There's a lot of good people out there that are Catholic. That not only anything of their history of their church. Just like there's a lot of good people who are Mormons who know nothing about their religion. Or Seventh-day Adventists who know nothing about their religion. They really don't know the history of their religion. What they spend their... See, what I find very deceptive in all this is the use of scripture as a way of clouding people's minds instead of freeing them. Does this make sense? What I'm saying is you see like the Seventh-day Adventists or the Mormons, they spend all this Bible study, you know, the Baptists, they spend all this Bible study. People don't really learn the real history along with it. The real history of their own denomination. Who's behind it all? Who created it all? What it's all about? So, in the end, they think like they know so much and they regurgitate a lot of scripture. 
but do they really even understand the scripture really? And how do they know for certain that the English translation that they're reading it is actually the original text? They don't. And believe me, they don't. But they claim they do. Now, even an uh, idiot and a fool and a moron like myself can barely put two syllables together and can figure this out. So, what is going on? In addition, we have anecdotal evidence of individual priests being censored or worse for involvement in the cult, in the cult arts, such as Father Pierre uh, of Petit, uh, the town of Faustus, or Faustus in Limousine, who was burned at the stake for performing a black mass. Father William Stapleton, who was arrested as a magician in England during the reign of King Henry VIII. Indeed, the Knights Templars, no strangers to the Crusades or the exotic mysteries of the Middle East themselves, were accused of devil worship and all kinds of blasphemous and heretical acts. The day of their arrest throughout Europe is still remembered today, for it fell on Friday, October 13th, thus gave us the superstition that Friday the 13th is unlucky. Yet the Templars had themselves taken the same vows as any priest or monk, Poverty, chastity, and obedience all in the service of the Catholic Church. Of course, that was much crap. The it will turn into that at least. They <laughs> turn to another power center, if you will. The name of the devil. They were supposed to worship Baphomet. Became the magical name of the 20th century most famous occultist, Elster Crowley. It's creeping up everywhere, isn't it? Thanks. Hollywood and music industry and all the uh, really thoughtless, mindless folks. They're very intelligent in the sense that they babble along and really will spin your heads. But yet, professing to be wise, they became fools. Thus, the church has held many councils and published many orders concerning cultism, magic, and the like. And at the same time, high-ranking clergymen, including several popes, were known to have been heavily involved in study, in the study, sometimes the practice of the occult arts. Therefore, it is not so unlikely on the face of it that a pope would have once authored a grimoire. For, as we have seen, the church has a public face and a private one. And this is true, whether it's the occult, or banking, or politics, or industry, or... It doesn't matter. It is as much a secular institution as a sacred one. And the pursuit and maintenance of power can be accomplished by spiritual methods as well as mundane conspiracies. Let us then examine the grim war of Pope 
Honorius III. You see how the priest may summon the devil. Sacerdotal magic. Sacerdotal magic. No one knows quite when the discipline known as uh, ceremonial magic had its origins. Magic as it is generally understood by anthropologists and historians of religion is universal and it takes practice. Its practice can be detected in virtually every ancient culture among societies living in relative isolation in the Amazon rainforest as easily as the jungles of Borneo and the Australian outback. Other earliest write, written records of magic can be found in the cuneiform tablets of ancient Sumer, Sumer and Babylon and the coffin texts of the ancient of ancient Egypt. Magic was practiced in China long before the birth of Confucius, and in India millennia before the birth of Buddha. Spells, charms, and incantations are known to every culture on earth. Whether it wards off evil or sickness, or it or to encourage fertility and wealth, ceremonial magic, however, is a complicated is a complicated evolution of the more primitive forms. As such, its goals are not always easy to discern. Were the shamans and the medicine men or women might be concerned with harvests and the hunt or riding a tribal member ridding the tri tribal member of sickness or even in observing the right times for the performances of sacrifices the ceremonial magician is concerned with less mundane affairs the ceremonial magician wishes to invoke spiritual forces to vis to visible appearance to travel to astral realms, to commune with the infinite, sorry about this. I know how to say this word, and you do too, and I said it a thousand times, but in my brain and my tongue have not are not connecting. Ineffable. Like too great or extreme to be expressed and described with words. Not to be uttered. Ineffable. Ineffable. Okay, the commune with the ineffable, and this is done according to the precise instructions written down and what are known in the West as the grimoires. The gr a grimoire is a magician's manual. A handbook contains specific rituals for specific ends. It is a, like a cookbook. If you don't already know how 
to boil water and crack open an egg, it is not very useful, and you can't make mistakes. And grimoires do not pretend to teach magic, but only to be used as a guide for the accomplished magician. A training of a magician may take place within the ranks of the secret society dedicated to magic, such as the famous Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, a British occult society uh, of the 19th century. By the way, it's still here. So, in fact, you can pick out websites and people they did on YouTube and everything. Uh, 19th century, they had numbered among the initiates such as luminaries as W.B. Yeats, the Nobel Prize writing poet, and such. Uh, oh, yeah, this is this one. Tetna Berries, Berries, Ten, I'm going to say this. Ten Berries, it's T E N E B R A R I E S. Ten Berries, Ten Berries. As uh, Tenenberry's, maybe that's what it is, Tenenberry's, Tenenberry's. Uh, Aleister Crowley, because he was one of the magicians some have called the wickedest man in the world and society. Magicians were instructed in the very basic elements of their art and trained through the series of degrees. Each one demanded greater intellectual study as well as greater capacity capability in the demonstration of occult powers. I know one thing, we're mad. Humanity is mad. I might be a moron, but everyone, you know what, I'm not a madman. So, where are we at with all this? Okay. Um, I imagine people would say otherwise, but as far as me not being a madman. But you know what? Um, I mean, I'm not thinking about uh, practicing magic and human sacrifice and all that. The only thing I'm thinking is trying to figure out how to, I got to this point. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. <laughs> what the truth is, you know what I mean? So, I guess it makes me a strange person. I guess it would be strange, I guess it would be the fact that I'm willing to do this on Facebook, on talk show, excuse me. Uh, I imagine that seems pretty egotistical, but it's my way of reaching out for the hope that I might be able to talk to people and help me in this journey of figuring things out. So, it's not really about me and proving to anybody that I know what the heck I'm doing. Prior to the existence of such groups as the Golden Dawn, however, training in occultism could be had only at the feet of an acknowledged master. Perhaps some of the Masonic lodges numbered a, a lodges numbered a magus or two among their membership. But by far the individual credited with the greatest potential for magical accomplishments, were Catholic priests. 
Uh, it is difficult to realize in this day and age the utilitarian nature of the priesthood in the ancient times. A priest was supposed to be able to cast out a, the devil and the rite known as exorcism. Thus, the priest was credited with supernatural power for the ver from the very start. What better instruction could one receive in the arse, like arse, like the English way of saying ass, arse, arse magica, than in the Catholic ceremony? What and what use was a parish priest who could only celebrate Mass and tell his parishioners that every evil that befell them was, quote, God's will, end of quote. In the days before science, before modern medicine, both men and veterinaries, veterinary, and veterinary, so, okay, both human and veterinary, talking about medicine, there had been recourse to spiritual forces in order to affect mundane goals. Priests played, prayed for abundant harvest, for an end to the plague, or that the hostile enemy force would pass them by. The rituals known as laying out of hands, quote, which was used to ordain priests was also used to heal the sick. And this is part of the dilemma that we have too, is this whole thing of trying to send us back into the dark ages. <clears throat> Who will be our priest in the dark ages? That's what the real struggle's about, folks. Who's gonna be in the end our high priest in the dark ages? the modern dark ages that were befall us. And I feel that we're in the dark age now, so I, can, I guess what would it be next? How would you call it? Just the darker, darker ages, the extreme dark ages, <laughs> the ultimate dark ages, whatever it's going to be. As science, okay, boop, 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 boop. Okay, as science increasingly becomes the savior of modern humanity, the role of the priest became less that of the village shaman and more that of the village psychiatrist. As the priest began to concern himself more with the salvation of souls of his flock than with the health of their bodies and the status of their crops. The development, however, did not take place until relatively recently, until the 19th century, Catholic priests were believed to be possessed to be possessed of supernatural powers that could change their relatively sordid reality of the European peasant and his uh, quote Dane existence. Quote Dane. Quote Dane existence. Quote Dane. Well, let's find out what that means. Quote Dean, Quotentine, Quotentine existence, uh, occurring every day daily. And let's see if I'm actually pronouncing it right. Pronunciation. Oh, Quotidian. <laughs> Quotidian. <laughs> okay, Quotidian. 
All right, I got really close to that one, didn't I? All right, quotidian. Quotidian existence. All right, uh, the Catholic priest could make magic. A glance at the more famous grimoires of the last 300 years or so will demonstrate a common factor spirits, both evil and good, or summoned and controlled using the names of God, the angels, the saints, the sign of the cross is used throughout the, these texts. As are biblical quotations, familiar prayers such as Our Father and Hail Mary and liturgical uh, procedures common to the Mass, such as the use of incense, candles, and vestments. The Western European ceremonial magicians if he is not a priest, is at least pretending to be one. Thus, when the grimoires of Pope Onerus made its appearance, it was, if not a genuine papal grimoire, at least an honest example of what all the other famous grimoires pretended they were not, a manual cultism intended or used by clergymen. Okay, I'll stop here, and next time we do one, we'll do on the Black Mass. So. And, uh, well, he guessed too. Sorry about that, but I got to leave. So. Uh, but I probably could come back in a half an hour and do part two. I try to pack in all this stuff as much as I can because I'm going to be end up getting my son for, again, for another three days. And it's very hard for me to do this when I have a four-year-old boy. So I'm trying to pack it all in now. So I'll probably come back and do that in half an hour to part two. If you want to come back and join me here, let other people know. So if not, then thank you for joining me. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.